Hey, true crime friends. Welcome back to another episode of True Crime in Academia. I am your host, Mary DePippi. First of all, I hope you are all having a wonderful week so far. If not, I hope it gets better for you. Secondly, we have housekeeping to go through real quick before we get into today's episode. Make sure you follow True Crime in Academia at True Crime in Academia on Instagram and TikTok. Also follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room at the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Instagram and TikTok, Ivory Boiler Room on Twitter, and just search the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Facebook and you can like our page there. Last week, I put up my first Patreon exclusive episode. That episode, I covered the case of John Binet. So if you are interested in seeing that, then you need to go over to patreon.com slash ivorytowerboilerroom and become a patron so you can see that episode. And I will be uploading an additional bonus episode each month. So you can only get them on Patreon if you're a subscriber. So go to patreon.com slash ivorytowerboilerroom. And do that today so you can get access to all these extra videos I'm putting up for you guys. Also, this is just a reminder that true crime in academia is strictly for educational purposes. And I never condone killing. Come on now. But, you know, I have to say it. So, Oh, and obviously every person is innocent until proven guilty. So, yeah. And with that... Let's get into part two of the death of Elisa Lamb. So aside from looking at the hotel security camera footage, which the hotel had cameras in the lobby, elevators, and most of the common areas, but there were no cameras in the hallway of the floor that the footage was taken from. The police had also searched her room, but when they got there, all of her stuff had been removed by the hotel. Now, I was freaked out about this, too. However, apparently this is normal hotel policy because the day that she was reported missing was also the day that she was supposed to check out of the hotel. And the hotel had already had the authority to go in and remove her belongings since she wasn't in the room. Police spoke with the people who cleaned out her room and they stated that the room was in disarray But not in a way that suggested that anyone had gone through her things. So, like, they didn't suspect that it was a robbery or anything like that. Instead, they said it just looked like a per like, it just looked messy. And that the person who was staying there was just, like, you know, a slob. Now, to me, it's already frustrating to think that her room was not kept in the condition when she had disappeared. Because who knows what kind of evidence could have been left behind You know, or at least the police could have better, maybe, I don't know, better assessed her state of mind by seeing her room. But this claim that there wasn't a break-in is substantiated. Her wallet, her laptop, her clothes, her passport, and all of her medications were collected from her room and found. And as we talked about last week, the area of the hotel and the client that it attracts is not the best. So if someone had broken into her room, those things would not be there. 
Police also discovered that this was not the original room Elisa was staying in. Now, if you remember from last week, I said that she was actually put into a female bunk with a couple other women. Now, Elisa's room was changed the day before she was scheduled to check out because the women she shared a room with complained about Elisa. They said that she had posted notes on their bunks and their belongings saying, get out or go home. They also reported that she would refuse to open the door to her bunk meets and would often keep the door to their shared room locked. Elisa also had an outburst in the lobby. She exclaimed to really no one in particular, I'm crazy, but so is L.A., And at this point, the hotel really didn't find anything necessary to do about this outburst or her situation, which in some ways I can kind of understand. Because, I mean, it didn't seem like anyone at the hotel was bothered by this outburst. And I mean, if you remember like going to the mall or, you know, wherever as a kid with your friends, like I remember we would yell out random absurdities, you know, (laughs) and no one was calling to say that we were having a mental health crisis or anything like that. So, you know, from that, they really couldn't say for sure that something was wrong with her. Plus, like I said, the type of clientele that they've been attracting, this is kind of on par for for their brand, if you will. Now, police had also learned that Elisa had gone to see the taping of a show while she was here or while she was in Los Angeles. And while she was at the show, which I don't know the name of the show that she went and saw, um, but it was reported that Elisa was acting strangely during the taping, and she wrote a letter to the director that she had asked to be delivered or to deliver herself. Because of this, security escorted her off of the property, because at that point, she was suspected to be a risk. Which, again, I can kind of understand. I don't have a definitive explanation of what they thought was strange about her behavior but clearly you can see at this point there's something going on with her and they assessed her as a threat because of this with no evidence from her belongings in her room or you know just the room itself police really had no leads they interviewed guests and people who had seen her during her stay like the staff members and employees and such like that And one of the staff members actually reported having seen her the day of her disappearance because she had entered an employee-only area and was asked to leave. The staff member that she spoke with said that he watched her go to the elevators after she was like, okay, you know, like it wasn't a huge ordeal. He told her she had to go and she was just like, okay, and he watches her go to the elevators. This was the last time that anyone had actually seen her. Police decided to execute a full search of the hotel, which was tricky considering that some of the guests were tenants, meaning that searching those rooms or getting access to them would require permission from the tenants. Because again, if they live there, that's kind of like their apartment and they only have a search warrant really for the whole hotel. And those rooms were kind of excluded from, you know, as being as part of the hotel. Search dogs were called in, and they took police to one of the windows on the 14th floor, which led to a fire escape. The fire escape led all the way up to the roof, which was a restricted area for the hotel. But when police searched the roof, the dogs kind of lost the scent, which I can kind of see because obviously they're high up. There's a lot of wind blowing. You know, I just feel like the scent 
would be more easily lost in that setting, maybe. Six days after her disappearance, Lieutenant Teague held a press conference to appeal to the public for help. Elisa's family was flown in, and although they did not make a statement during the press conference, their presence was still there and kind of as a way to even appeal to the public more so. Now, along with her family, police were becoming concerned that Elisa was kidnapped and held against her will, or sadly, even killed. Because obviously, as we know, as more time passes in a missing person's case, the chances of finding them alive become slimmer. It was also around this time that the famous elevator footage was released that we talked about last week. Now, this led many people and web sleuths to really look into her case. It was famously noted that the time code was illegible and that the video appears to have been slowed down. Because if you remember last week, we talked about how when the elevator door closes or when it starts to close at the end of the video, you can see like it's almost it's already out like a good six inches at that point. Now, I've heard some explanations as to why it could have been tampered with. And one of the reasons was that they didn't want to give the exact time that she was in the elevator. For whatever reason, they I guess they wanted to keep that part close to the chest, maybe. And possibly it could have been slowed down to, you know, help people identify her. Because if she's moving too quickly in the frames, then there's more of a chance that people might misread who she is. So by slowing it down, it kind of gives people a better idea as to who she was. But either way, though, the police kind of claim that the video was not tampered with. But I don't know. I'm not, I don't really believe that. <laughs> During her stay, and I'm not exactly sure when, but Elisa blogged about getting unwanted attention from guys who would hit on her and follow her. And she addressed them as like creepers. Which, though, to some extent, I feel like that could be normal for a lone female traveler. Like, I feel like this is something that could, you know, really happen to anyone at any time in any place. Like, it's not exclusive to L.A. where Elisa was. However, though, because of the area that she was staying in, you know, police became more concerned about, like I said, about what had happened to her because of that. Now, 13 days after the press conference, a couple named Mike and Sabrina Bogg were guests at the Cecil Hotel. And they had come to America from England and they wanted, you know, to really see the sights of L.A. and were really excited about it. And on one of the days they went out, they saw a missing person sign for Elisa. And even though that kind of disturbed them a little bit, it didn't dissuade them from staying at the hotel at the Cecil Hotel and you know they spent the day out in downtown LA aside from like the gross conditions of the rooms that I discussed in the last episode they also complained of low water pressure and like brownish foul tasting water after the couple complained they were moved to a room two floors up but nothing got any better as far as the water was concerned so they complained again And this time, they were told that maintenance would take a look. Now, a maintenance worker named Santiago Lopez went up on the roof to check the water tanks after exhausting other possible solutions for what was going on with the water. When he approached one of the tanks, he noted that the hatch was open. He looked down into the tank and was disturbed by what he found. 
the ghostly white naked body of Elisa Lamb. Immediately, Lopez realizes that this is the missing girl that they've been looking for. Police rush to the scene. When they get to the Hank, they find that the hatch was closed. Now, this is something that has been a huge point of contention in this case. Because of the hatch being closed, or if it was closed, that would suggest foul play. Because the hatch itself weighs 20 pounds, and there is no ladder on the inside of the tank. So it literally would have been impossible for Elise to have, or Elisa to have closed the hatch on her own after she had gotten in the tank. Not that it was completely impossible because they said if the water was high enough that she could have reached it, but still, she's a tiny girl and trying to keep yourself above water and move this 20-pound thing, it just it just doesn't seem likely. Now, it's also unclear if police had actually found the hatch closed or if it was just miscommunicated when it was reported because there is an interview from an officer who wasn't at the scene, so I don't know why they were talking to him in the first place, but he stated that the hatch was closed. Now, personally, I'm more inclined to believe Mr. Lopez about the hatch. I think if police found it closed, I think he might have closed it accidentally and not realizing. Because, like, when you think about it, I mean, this isn't something anyone wants to stumble upon. But because it is a deceased person, I could see maybe, like, instinct just being the cover you know, to cover the place where she was, you know, as a means of respect. But, again, it's hard to say, but I do believe that he found it was open. Now, forensic stated that she was floating face up and in a considerable state of decomposition. Her clothes were found at the bottom of the tank, and they were the clothes that she was wearing in the video. Obviously, the hotel had to shut down and reassign guests to different hotels. Police were absolutely mystified that her body was found in the tank since they had checked the roof. But again, like I said, you know, the dogs might have lost her scent by that point, And it's not necessarily confirmed if they even checked by the water tanks or not. So we don't we don't really know. But again, if they're up there, the dogs don't have the scent. There's no other physical evidence to tie her there. Then it would stand to believe that maybe she wasn't there. However, this is one of those very odd cases where that wasn't the case. In order to get her out of the tank, investigators had to drain the tank so that way her body could float gently down to the bottom, and then they cut open an access at the bottom to retrieve her. The tanks and the other areas around were then fingerprinted, but really no physical evidence was found. Now, I am curious to see if, like, them testing the water would have had any benefit. Um, just because I know most of the time water can, you know, in these situations with DNA, it can be washed away. So if they just emptied the tank of water, they could have possibly lost evidence. However, though, I can't say for sure that that would have helped, but it's a possibility. Now, because of the decomposition, how long she was in the tank was hard to tell. According to her autopsy report done by Dr. Jason Tovar, he noted that there were no obvious signs of violence, no foreign biological material found in her rape kit, and that there was no foam or fluid in her lungs. But according to him, that does not exclude the possibility of drowning. He could not conclude the cause of death at first based off of the initial exam and had to wait for all of the toxicology reports to come back. 
When they did, the toxicology stated that she was negative for any illicit drugs, which makes sense because Elisa mentioned on Tumblr that she was not a drug or alcohol user. However, I did find it amusing that in her Tumblr post, she wrote when she talked about this, she said she wished that she did because it could help her more easily deal with stupid people. Hey, true crime friends. You've heard me talk about my amazing friend Mandy before. She makes the best crochet, pre-cut, and custom home decor for reasonable prices. If you're looking for a one-of-a-kind gift or some new decor to add some new life into your home, look no further. Mandy has got you. I have quite a few items from her, ranging from a crocheted headband to Halloween decor items to my amazing and adorable Coraline ornament. Um, If you guys haven't noticed, I'm like obsessed with Coraline and I just love how Mandy makes it. She's also made me a Coraline doll that sits next to all of my true crime books. To order, just slide in her DMs on Facebook and Instagram at Mandy Made It. That's M-A-N-D-E-E made it on facebook and instagram once again go to mandy made it on facebook and instagram send her a dm and order today ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The only drugs that were in her system were her prescribed medications, but the Doses are like based off of the amount that they found in her system were a bit low. And the pill bottles revealed that she had more pills in the bottles than what should have been in there, suggesting that she was undertaking her medications or just, you know, not taking them. Now, it is odd to find a drowning victim face up, but Dr. Tovar believes that the fluctuating water levels could have caused her body to flip to face up. On June 21st, 2013, Elisa Lamb's death was officially ruled as an accidental drowning and that her bipolar disorder was a contributing factor. These findings left many people, especially the web sleuths, with more questions than answers. In the days and weeks following the discovery of Elisa's body, many people checked in the hotel to investigate and to just, you know, see the hotel. Security presence in the hotel obviously intensified because of this. People wanted to find out what was going on and what was up with the elevator doors. It was determined that she might have pressed the door hold button because of the row of buttons that she had pressed. That was the last one that she would have pressed. And it was discovered that when you do press this door hold button, the elevator door stays open for two minutes. So people weren't sure if she knew this or if she knew that she hit the button, but that was basically how people could figure out why this elevator door was staying open for so long. Because that was one of the weird things about this video. Like, why isn't the door closing? Why is it never closing? It's consistently open. It doesn't make sense. That's why. They were also able to conclude that she was on the 14th floor elevator. Because that was in the line of buttons that she presses. And when she presses it, like you would with any elevator, when you're on that floor, 
it lights up, but then a second you take your finger off the button, it the light goes off, and that's what happened in this case. So they were able to figure out that it was the 14th floor, and at the end of that hallway where she makes the left, that is where the fire escape is that leads to the roof. However, though, that is not the only way you can get to the roof when you go that way. She could have also gone to a stairwell that leads to the roof. Now, supposedly, you need a key and the door is alarmed. Now, many people have gone up there and pushed against this door and reported that they didn't hear anything go off or that no one came up to them. Supposedly, this alarm is heard and triggered by the front desk. But from the footage that some of the web sleuths have shared, it's pretty obvious that a lot of people go up to the roof because obviously they were able to get up there via this stairwell. And when you look at like some of the shots from them sharing, there's like pizza boxes and beer bottles. And it was obvious that this was a frequent hangout for many of the tenants. Because of the lack of answers, web sleuths were desperately trying to solve her case, and they analyzed everything. But they handled this job less than ethically. This led to the false accusation of a death metal musician called Morbid, a.k.a. Pablo Reguera. He had stayed at the hotel a year before Elisa had stayed there, and he has many videos of violence in his music videos. So because of this, they start looking into all of his videos that he had posted to try and find connections. In one video, he talks about a woman dying in water. Now, once the sleuths named him as Elisa's killer, Pablo got an onslaught of messages and threats. He had never even seen her or even heard of her before these messages. And this prompted him to make a video professing his innocence. But because he was terrified of all the threats that he was getting... He wore a mask and disguised his voice. The police in Mexico did come to his house and question him, but he was never charged. It's also important to note that when Elisa died, Pablo was in Mexico and had been. His passport stamps and the contracts that he had had with record labels, you know, saying that he needed to be at the studio during these days, support this. And since then, obviously, his innocence has been, his innocence was proven no one apologized. Because, of course, why would they apologize? You you send threats and messages to this guy and completely upend his life for a speculation. And, of course, no one apologizes, which is gross. But because of this experience, he feels like he has lost his freedom of expression and has not written music since and does not want to. Sadly, it also led to him attempting suicide. <sighs> and I mean, that it's just one of those things where it like really irks me that people, you know, they become so obsessed with trying to find a needle in a haystack that they start misinterpreting pieces of hay for needles in this case. Another theory that swirled around during this time was that Elisa was a government spy. There had been a TB outbreak or tuberculosis outbreak in the days after her body was found. Now, what is strange is that the name of the test, like how you test for TB, the test is called a Lamaliza, which is literally her first and last name reversed and just saying Eliza instead of Elisa, but it's spelled the same way, which is very weird. And basically why a lot of people started to believe that this was a government conspiracy. It also didn't help that the college she went to, the University of British Columbia, had a tuberculosis research unit. 
Some people also compared Elisa's case to this movie called Dark Water. And I do see the similarities, but I feel like they're a coincidence considering the movie came out before her death. Some people think that possibly a deranged person might have been acting out this film. I mean, the little girl who drowns in a water tank at the end, or in the film is wearing a red jacket and Elisa was wearing a red sweater. So, possible, but I really think it's coincidence, but it's still creepy, right? Now, despite all of these different theories, I really do think that the coroner's report states the truth. Despite the fact that some people point out that there was an error made on the report, and it is there. I mean, it's been shown on the report. The cause of death was changed from undetermined to accidental drowning. Some people put a lot of weight behind that and think that maybe her death was some sort of cover up. But I really just think it was due to human error. You know, when you heard him talk and I mean, I'm not saying he's like the best coroner out there, you know, <laughs> but listening to him and you know, his initial findings and then needing the toxicology reports and things like that. Like, I could see how maybe he hit the wrong or pressed or wrote the wrong um, check mark, you know? Now, Elisa's sister had spoken with investigators and told them about Elisa's bipolar disorder and her history of not taking her medications. Often, this caused her to have a mental breakdown. She said that her sister, Elisa, would often have delusions, and on one occasion, she had to be hospitalized. Now, Elisa had bipolar 1 disorder, which is the more severe of the two bipolar disorders, and delusions often occur with this. And I feel like that is something that people don't often associate with bipolar disorder, which I think is why a lot of people find Dr. Tovar's findings to be not correct, but I think it's really just become, I think it's just from a misunderstanding of what bipolar one disorder really is and what symptoms all entail. Now, Dr. Joy Ho, who reviewed the elevator tapes, says that Elisa's behavior is consistent with someone having a psychotic episode, aka hallucinations, delusions, and paranoia. And her sister confirmed this as being consistent with what her sister was experiencing. She said that sometimes her sister would believe that, like, someone was, like, coming after her and that sometimes she would find her sister hiding under the bed. And Dr. Ho believes this as well. She believes that Elisa was in a state where she thought she needed to run and hide. That maybe, possibly, someone was hunting her. Now, Elisa's Tumblr does shed some light on this. She admitted to Tumblr that obviously that not only she had bipolar 1 disorder, but that she was taking four different types of medication, including an antidepressant and a mood stabilizer. She said often that she felt alone in her mental health struggles and overall just wanted to be normal. Despite, though, what you think happened to Elisa, Elisa was a very introspective and bright human being and an excellent writer. And I think it's really sad that we lost her voice in the world. I mean, so many people have looked at her Tumblr and really felt like they knew her and could really find relief because of how open and honest she was about her situation. I think she really opened up a place for people to have hope and, you know, felt that they weren't alone. Now, her records have been requested via public records, but as far as I know, no one has been able to see it, 
which again, people think that, you know, maybe the LAPD, the coroner, and the hotel are all trying to cover it up. Who knows, though? On September of 2013, Elisa's parents actually sued the Cecil Hotel for wrongful death. Their attorneys brought up that the roof was a risky place and that the hotel should have had better security measures to keep guests off the roof. However, there are no regulations about the locks on the water tanks at the time, which it is now. And they also argued that the hotel should have been responsible for Elisa and gotten her help when her strange behavior was noticed. However, the judge ruled in favor of the hotel. The Cecil Hotel was sold again in 2017 to some sort of group in New York. Half of the building is supposed to become low-income housing, and the other half is supposed to become a luxurious hotel. Apparently, a waiting pool and a bar are planned to be added to the roof. I have looked into this, but I haven't seen any progress on these updates. But that is really all I have for you today. I know some of you are probably going to be like, but wait a minute, you didn't talk about the, the, the supernatural element. Mostly because, well, there's no proof in the supernatural elements that could have been. A lot of people think that the elevator video alluded to some sort of supernatural being. However, like I said, I'm inclined to believe what Dr. Ho had to say about Elisa maybe not being in the best mental state of mind when this occurred. However, though, given the history of the Cecil Hotel, I can't say I would be surprised if it wasn't haunted. However, I don't know that those ghosts are necessarily trying to kill people. However, like I said, the likelihood of it being haunted is probably high because it seems that there is a lot of pain and suffering there and obviously a lot of death. And I think that could be a possibility that it's haunted, but I don't think the haunting has anything to do with Elisa's death. So that's why I didn't mention it. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, that is all I have for you guys today. Um, thank you for listening to the Elisa Lamb series. Next week, I have a very special episode for you. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And until next time, I hope you all stay safe out there. Stay healthy. And I will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime in Academia. Welcome to our summer season. We made it to summer 2022. I am here with Mary DePippi. Hi, Mary. Hello. I'm Andrew Rimby, the executive director. Mary DePippi is our chief contributor. Uh, Nicole Arguello is our marketing assistant and Kimberly Dallas is our editor. So yay, our interns have positions. Okay. Yay. Um, please, please follow us on social media. We Mary posts so many creative things on her true crime and academia. How can they follow true crime, Mary? At true crime and academia on Instagram and TikTok. Okay. And then you can follow the ivory tower boiler room on Twitter at ivory boiler room. And at Ivory Tower Boiler Room on, ready, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Okay. And you can email us. Um, we love to get pitched some episode ideas. So to do that, if you're a publicist out there, maybe you want to get one of your authors on our show, go to ivorytowerboilerroom at gmail.com. Uh, thank you to our audience, to our listeners. We're really excited because we have a lot going on on our Patreon. So Mary, do you want to maybe update everyone on our Patreon account? 
Yes. So aside from the content that we've already been giving you, we will also be having extra special episodes Um, specifically for true crime. I will be having an extra bonus episode every month starting in June. <gasps> yeah. You can and the only same- get yes. that if you are a subscriber. Yes. So patreon.com slash ivory tower boiler room. That's it. Just slash ivory tower boiler room. And Easy. we already have a lot of bonus material first. There is a full episode um, with Ursula Klein in our book corner. So you're going to see all of these new special series that are going to pop up in the summer on Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Yes, Mary will do it too on True Crime and Academia. You can listen to a teaser on our podcast, but guess where the whole interview is? On our Patreon. So only a cup, not a cup, but (laughs) a large cup of iced coffee um, at any of our favorite coffee companies, um, you only have to pay $5 a month. So please join. We will recognize all of you who join. We'll shout you out during the summer. Um, you can see our video interviews too. And if you want to become an ivory tower, $15 a month, three cups of iced coffee, uh, member, you actually will get our tote bag, our t-shirt, um, there's more. There's more. Oh, our mug. Cup. I'm drinking from our mug. <laughs> I should for everyone who will see this. I'm actually holding it up. It's a very cool mug. So we are so excited for all of you to join us this summer. I love hearing from all of you. I know Mary loves hearing from all of you. Direct mm-hmm. message us. We read them. And yeah, check out our social media because we post so many clips from the shows. And I started to kind of finesse my way around TikTok. So Mary sees mm-hmm. how excited I get when I know how to add music and all these filters. <laughs> so um, on that note, um, please, please join us for our Instagram events this summer. We have a monthly book club. Every month we have our book club and we're going to start having television recaps Um, we're going to have another open mic poetry event at pen and brush. So stay tuned. I think we might have a Halloween party, but just someone told me that. Okay. A little birdie, little birdie. Okay. I think we got it all, Mary. So so. on that note, let's put a bookmark in this. Yep. Bye everyone.